<clears throat> I'm thankful for. Uh, this is uh, this is just kind of a standalone week, a standalone sermon. Uh, again, we've been uh, 11 weeks now into our series on uh, the gospel changes everything. And so we're just kind of taking a little break from that. We'll finish that series next week. We will finish up uh, The Gospel Changes Everything with uh, how real change can happen. We looked at that last week and talked about getting the log out of our own eye. And uh, we'll continue that next week. And then we're going to get into the Christmas series, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, we're actually going to be taking um, some old hymns and uh, that we sing, carols, and just preaching through those. There's so much rich theology in, in the hymns that we sing and so I'm excited, excited for, for that series. And it's just Christmas, which is just fun. So, all right, great. Um, let me go ahead and, and uh, talk about this. So I am thankful for, it's not necessarily the, the title of this, but before we get into this, I, uh, just, as, just for, a, I don't know, uh, an illustration that we're going to be using throughout the, the series, can anyone tell what, what that is? It's zoomed in on something. Can anyone tell what it is? Oh, okay. No, it's too obvious. It's pearls. Yeah, it's still too obvious. Uh, that's all right. Okay. So I zoomed in a little bit, a little bit, um, on pearls. And, and, and what's interesting though, what I want to do today is kind of opposite from what maybe uh, we've, we've done before. Um, this idea of don't get, don't get lost at looking at a tree in the midst of the forest that a lot of times we, we look at maybe a story that's a pearl on, on a, on a necklace. And, and saying, hey, let's not focus in on each individual pearl or each individual story. Let's, let's step back and realize that all these stories are interconnected uh, and they all are screaming, this is about Jesus. This is about the Messiah. And, and so just saying, that, let's do that, except uh, this week I actually want to do the opposite. There was an illustration that I used or a, a quote that I had from Luther not that long ago that he said that he would get so bogged down with just a leaf on a tree that was part of the forest, right? And, and, and that's kind of what I want to do. I want to focus in and kind of zoom in on these pearls. And, and the reason why that happened, and then I'm going to explain why this is a really bad illustration, um, but that's okay, is, is there's, a, there's a book. Uh, it's one of my, my boys' favorite books, and, and I've never met a kid who doesn't like it, but it's called The, the Pout Pout Fish. And if, and if you've ever read this, it's, it's very catchy. Uh, I'm a pout-pout fish with a pout-pout face for spreading dreary drearies all over the place. Uh, I'm not reading that. That's, that's just, you know, it, it, it's very catchy. And then, and then he says, blub, blub, blub. Well, then he runs into all these other fish creatures, and they're like, hey, man, how come you're not being happy? And there's this one. It says, along comes a clam with a wide winning grin and a pearl of advice for her pal to take in. Hey, Mr. Fish, you car, with your crosstown frown, don't you think it's time to turn it upside down? It's very catchy uh, and humorous. And uh, anyways, it doesn't, at the end, some silver fish kisses him, then he becomes a happy fish, a kiss-kiss fish. Uh, so, you know, everyone's happy. You know, everyone, everyone wins at the end of this one, right? But <laughs> so, I was, so I wanted to talk about and, and hone in on, if you will, and zoom in on five pearls of advice, and I, and I run with that. And every point I make is like, okay, the first pearl of advice, the problem is, this is God's word, <laughs> and this is actually the Apostle Paul commanding the church. And so this isn't like a pearl of advice, you know, hey, maybe smile a little bit more. This is actually a command from the Apostle Paul to the church. And so I'm going to use that phrase, I'm a pearl of advice, this is more than just advice. 
Uh, this is what this is what God wants for us. This is what Christ wants for us. This is what the apostle wants for us. It's what I want for me. It's what I want for our church. So, <laughs> so there's people in the crowd now that are, are joining in. The thanks, Nelson. Um, yes. All right. So, what are we gonna do? I just want to walk through a passage, shorter passage, um, in First Thessalonians. So, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. It's, it'll be up on the screen. Uh, reading from the NIV. And I'll, I'll read all these verses out loud, but just if you want to follow along, you can. First Thessalonians chapter 5, looking at verses 12 through 24. Just going to slowly walk through this passage. And just entitled, uh, Give Thanks in All Circumstances. So I'm just going to start off. I'm, going to, I'm just going to read through this passage, and then we'll, we'll make some comments. It says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you, uh, who are over, uh, sorry, uh, who are among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work and be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. So that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. So a little background before we jump into this text. When I look at the context, why, what, what is happening here? What is, where is Thessalonia? Where, what, what is going on here? And, and why does Paul use some language and some words? It was really fascinating. The more I've dug into Thessalonians and just the culture around Paul as he's writing these letters to these churches over in Asia Minor and specifically what has been called the Macedonian call. And so I'm not going to take the time to read it, but in Acts chapter 16, uh, we actually run into the Apostle Paul. In the, it's the Acts of the Apostles. When we look at that book of, of Acts that's written by Dr. Luke, it comes after his Gospel, Luke. And then we have this, this beautiful book of Acts of what happens after the resurrection of Christ, after the ascension of Christ. And so the, the, the Apostles are going through and the Gospel's spreading, but we get to Acts chapter 16 and Paul wants to go one way, and the Spirit is like, no, you're not going to go there. And he wants to go somewhere else. The Spirit's like, no, you're not going to go there. And then finally, he hears the Spirit, and these people say, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so he does. He goes over to this area in this um, Asia Minor, this Greek area, and starts meeting people. But what's, what's wild about his time there is that he's only in these city-states for about three weeks at a time. He's there for three weeks. He's in the synagogues. He's, he's in the temples and he's preaching and he's preaching and he's preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And then they're like, get out of here, man. You're causing too much turmoil. Like we, we, we worship these idols. And there's, there's, there's idol makers who are like, hey man, our, our, uh, our prophets are going down because you're, you're talking about this Jesus guy. It's like, this, this keeps happening over and over and over. And so he's only there for about three weeks, but something changes. And just a little bit of the context here this area, not that long, just a couple hundred years before this whole thing, was completely conquered by Alexander the Great. I'm not gonna, I know I'm, I'm, I like history and I like getting into this, but Alexander the Great conquered in a long, in a big way, all of the known world. 
that he shared his Greek culture, he shared his Greek language, which was essential to the spread of the gospel, that no matter where anybody went, they all spoke this language of, of Greek. And so that was what that was true of this point. And so uh, uh, Alexander actually had this idea that he wanted to create one world, that actually there are stories that he wept after his final battle because there were no more people to be conquered. And he was like, this is it. Like I've conquered the whole world and, and, I've, and, I've, and I've talked about this, but he was a universalist. He said, I want to bring this together. He's got a quote. He says, I want to marry the East with the West. Another quote, I want to unite and to pacify and reconcile the whole world. All right, he was a he was a universalist. He wasn't just a, a soldier, which he definitely was, and a, and a, and a king and a, and a general. But he wanted to to unite the world, and and so you got to think if you're Paul, that now several hundred years, a couple hundred years, four hundred years later, now the apostle Paul is sitting here speaking the same language that he's in Thessalonica, which is named after Alexander the Great's half sister. He planted a church in Philippi, which is named after Philip, which is Alexander the Great's dad. This is the history of Alexander the Great is all over the place. And knowing that this guy wanted to conquer the world and bring peace, but guess what? He couldn't do it. And now the apostle Paul is there speaking the same language, seeing the same statues and, and going into cities that are named after these people. Then he says, oh, wait, we can do this and we are going to do this. We are going to pacify. We do. We can offer peace, but not with the sword the way that Alexander tried to do, not by enslaving people and making him, forcing them to learn a certain culture. The other, No, no, no. We want to set people free with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That that's most likely going on. And so that's the context that we kind of get to. When we get to Thessalonians, he's kind of freaking out, right? Paul is like, he's on edge as he's writing. He's like, what's going on? What's happened again? He was there for three weeks and he's planting churches and he leaves after three weeks and he says, hey, hey, what's going on over there? And so if you just read his tone in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, he says, therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother, our God's and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith. He's like, we couldn't even, I couldn't wait. We were there three weeks, and, and it seemed like you guys were accepting the gospel, and you were, you were on fire for Christ, but we had to leave. We were forced to leave, but I couldn't leave for too long, so I had, I had to send my buddy back over there just to, to check in. How are things going? Verse 3, so that, uh, that no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For we were with you, and we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass. And just as you know, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Or he said, I, I just want to, is this actually happening? Is the gospel actually going forth in all of these places? A little bit more context just right before uh, the passage that we're going to be looking at in chapter five. So we're kind of starting in verse 12. But if you look at the first 11 verses, I'm not even going to read them, but, but, but Paul is saying, hey, Jesus is going to come back. He uses this, the Old Testament language of, of the day of the Lord. And we talked about that. If you're around, we were going through Second Peter. The judgment day is going to happen. So be ready. And Paul says he's going to come like a thief in the night. So be prepared. Be ready for when that happens because it will happen. And he's, he's admonishing this church over there in Thessalonica. In Thessalonica. And there's this quote I found in a, in a commentary. I'm not quoting the commentary, but Mary Queen of Scots on her deathbed, someone was trying to kind of read her her last rites or something along those lines. 
And she dismissed this, this, uh, this priest or this minister and said, I have not left this matter until this hour. Or like, I've already, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. You don't need to keep pressure. You don't, you don't need to talk to me about this. I'm, I'm ready for this. I've been prepared for this. Another one, and I, I, as I was Googling for an image, I said, all right, uh, I, I'm going to Google Scotsman. And the first image that, that pops up, that's what I'm going to use. I don't care what it is, what I'm going to use. That's what I did. It actually was tasteful. Little, he's very happy. He's a happy, happy Scot. Um, this was another quote that was actually in one of the commentaries I was reading. And I just love that they even spelt it the way that, you would, that they would speak it. I think it mahus when the weather was warm. Right, I thatch, I thicket my house when the weather was warm, and I don't, I don't wait until it's cold. I don't wait till last minute to go. Oh man, I need to patch the roof. I put up my my Christmas lights yesterday. Anyone like I, this is the first year I really got into Christmas lights. Anyone else do that? Yeah, Nelson, you blow. Yeah, I mean, I, I never really did it. It was very annoying. We got the icicle ones, which take it took. Oh man, I'll, I don't know. It took a it took a long time. It took a long time. That's all I'm gonna say. But it, but I know for my kids, it's just magical. You know what I mean? It's just it's really cool. And I put lights up on the back fence. It just took a long time, but it was but it was a nice day. It was a warm day. You don't wait till it snows and it's freezing. And you're up there on the roof, you know, falling off. Um, that's that's this idea, right? Be be ready. Be prepared for the second coming of Christ. But then now he's gonna then jump into this these these pearls of advice. But again, but not advice. These are going to be commands. And so the first one, he says this. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Now, this may seem, seem very self-serving, and, and, uh, and I don't mean it to be. Uh, it was a passage that I, that I chose because I think it's, it's important for us as a church. And in, in this season, I think in 2020, uh, but just this passage of this, isn't, this is not to honor uh, people in the church because of this, some, some position or some title, uh, but because of their work. And I know there are people in this room, people online that are watching, uh, that you do hard work. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean my work is, is better or more noble uh, or anything like that. It's, um, it's work. And it's, and, but I, I know that, well, I hope you know that I love you all. Uh, and I love you all, um, unless there's some random person from, you know, who knows? I'm just kidding. I love everybody. Uh, I just may not know your name, uh, but I'd love to get to know you. That came out really weird. So anyways, I'm going to move on. I love you all, okay? And uh, that's how I feel. And, and I, don't, I don't expect that in return. I don't think anyone would be in, in, a, in this position or in a ministry experience to think, oh, it's all going to be rainbows and butterflies. I know it's not, and it hasn't been, uh, but I love this. And I wouldn't trade it, I wouldn't trade it for, for anything. And that kind of leads into the second pearl of advice, um, he just says, be at peace among yourselves. And, and, and again, he's, he's pulling, going right off the context of what he just said with the leadership, right? So, so if, if the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of love and of peace, then we ought to be at peace amongst ourselves, peace with, with one another. From the leadership point to the rest of us in the congregation, we ought to be at peace. There shouldn't be any hate. There shouldn't be any bitterness. There shouldn't be any angst or animosity. But as we looked at last week of just the idea of just get the log out of your own eye, and that's myself included. And I can't think of anybody in this church or congregation that I, that I don't want to be with or that I don't care about or that I don't pray for. It's not, not, not one person. And, and so, uh, but if you feel that way about me, let's, let's talk. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of what, we, what we should be doing. Uh, one of the commentaries, which was interesting, for some reason they took a, a turn 
that if you, the pastor, they, they took this verse specifically for the, for the pastors and said, if you're not at peace within your congregation, uh, the quote here is, find one where you may be at peace. <laughs> it's like, no, man, I think that there's a lot of other steps that, to go before someone starts leaving a church. Uh, and I don't, I don't know. It's like, oh, I'm not at peace. Yeah, I'm out. It's like, what? I feel like there's a lot of other verses that say otherwise uh, that you should uh, love one another, care for one another. All right, the third pearl of advice, let's keep moving here, is this, uh, looking at in verse 14. It says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient for them all. So no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. This is a, a very uh, Roman and even Greek saying, uh, that this was a soldier who left the ranks. I've never been a soldier. I've never been uh, in the army or anything. I played football, and I think there might be some analogy there of being in the trenches, uh, that when you're lined up shoulder to shoulder with somebody, if the guy next to you doesn't do their job, then everything gets blown up. Uh, and I would imagine there's some similarity with that, that if you're a, sh- you're a soldier and you're standing shield to shield alongside other people and someone leaves those ranks, uh, the, the, what it says here, and even uh, more literally in the Greek, it just says, warn the quitters. Uh, people who are, are just giving up. And again, in the context, giving up within their faith, their Christianity. Remember, Paul is writing the, the Thessalonians to say, I, I want you to continue in your faith. Don't be, don't be turned away by the devil or by the tempter, or by anything of this world. I want you to remain strong. There might be some of you that are, that are wavering that are saying, oh man, but remember, man, wasn't our life good before? I don't, I don't know if this is the way I want to go. And, and they start to leave the ranks and leave the lines. And he says, I want you to warn them. I want you to, to admonish them. And then he says, encourage the faint-hearted. Literally, it's those whose souls are small. And it's S-O-U-L-S, not like those who have small feet. Those whose souls are small, in that sense, of those who fear the worst, Right, just, just kind of somebody who's just like, ah, oh, man, I don't, this isn't going to go well for us. And maybe, again, in this context, there could be persecution. And I think that, that probably could be for us in the upcoming days of saying, man, the church, you guys are still trying to meet. You're still trying to be open. Is there, what's going on right now? I'm confused what's happening. And the hatred that could be coming to say, ah, man, I don't know. This, this doesn't seem like it's good. Let's just bounce. Let's be out of this. Those who, who fear the worst. And he says, what does he say here? Help them. Be patient with them. Be patient with them all and see that no one repays anyone evil for evil. That those individuals that, that might be trying to run away, that are, that are hurting, they're causing and, and taking more time than other people, they're just weaker in that sense. They're, they're faint-hearted, they, that we are to admonish them, care for them, and not just look down on them, not to, to yell at them, to, to pay evil for evil, say, oh, you want to you be weak, you want to leave, then fine, just leave. But no, but, but love each other, talk to one another about these things but always seek to do good to one another in the church. And then it just adds on and, and to everyone. Yes, this should be true amongst ourselves as the church, but this should be true of everyone. The next command or pearl of advice uh, with three little pearls making up the bigger pearl. All right, so he kind of zooms in even, even more on this. And just these, he's got these three phrases that I think is at the heart of this passage. And he says this, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There's a lot of times, a lot of things, and, and I've taught lectures, I've, I've preached on God's will, that, that it's a big question, not so much for, for me right now in my stage of life. Uh, I've married for 10 years, we've, we've, you know, I've, we, we have a house, we've got kids, I've already gone to college, all these different things, but back then, should I get married? Who should I get married to? Should I buy a house? Should, I, should we have kids? Should, we, should I get educated? Where should I go to school? All these questions, and that's always, well, what's God's will for my life? And while that might not be definitive, and we can look at principles, and I've talked about that, and we could talk about that all day long, there are passages in Scripture that say blatantly, this is God's will for your life. This is what God wants you to do. Now, this is a part of God's will. I'm not going to, again, get into this a whole lot, but there's aspects of God's will that he is sovereign over. He has decreed it. He said, this is going to be the case. You, Brian, are going to be born in New Britain, Connecticut on October 9, 1985, right? That, that's going to happen. You don't have a say in that whatsoever. But there are other things that God's going to do, his moral will, his revealed will that he shows us in scripture that we can say, nah, I don't want to do that. This is one of those wills. I don't have to always rejoice. I don't have to always pray. I don't have to give thanks in all of my circumstances. Paul is saying, look, look at all three of these aspects, but the big main theme here, this is God's will. This is what he wants for you. And this is what he knows will be best for you as his children. This is God's will for you. So what does this mean? Rejoice always. And I think if we could maybe put, put three little things on this, like what's this mean for the church? This is a, a, ha- it's a the church should be happy. We should have fun with, with each other. We should, you know, once COVID's over, invite one another back into each other's homes and backyards. And I, I love that. And I miss that. I mean, I, I remember the summer, you know, when things started, we, we got locked down and then we, then we had a couple backyard parties. And it's just, I miss that. It's fun. I enjoy being with all of you a lot. But we should be a happy church. Now, there's a difference between rejoicing and being happy, but they're very much connected. That if I am, am joyful to be around you, my, I'm also happy. I'm excited to see you. I'm excited to walk in these doors. That every single person that comes in here, Tom, seeing him, I'm just seeing you in forever, man. And it's so good. I'm so glad you're able to come in here today, man. I just, it just, that makes me joyful. I, get cho- I got choked up seeing you, man. Ha! Oh, that was unexpected. Uh, man, I love you guys. Pray without ceasing. This doesn't mean you're going to walk around and pray and pray and pray and pray. And I'm never going to stop praying in that sense out loud or, or in my mind or someone, you know, tries to talk to me and it's like, oh, holy, stop, I'm praying. Don't talk to me. That's what that means. There's a heart of, of prayer, of, of just those. We, we looked at this when we were going through Nehemiah. How many one-liners did he have? He's talking to the king and he doesn't even... He doesn't have a chance. He says, I prayed to God, and then I talked to the king of just this, God, help me. This idea of just my first response is going to be to go to God. Pray without ceasing. But finally, and I think what made me choose this passage, was this idea of give thanks in all circumstances. And it made me start thinking, it made me start chewing, is there a difference between give thanks and being thankful? I think the answer is yes. I think there's a difference. And I was immediately thought of Luke chapter 17, Jesus heals 10 people, 10 men that have leprosy. 
He heals 10 lepers and they go away, but only one of the 10 comes back and actually gives thanks. But I am sure that if you were able, you were able to go and, and interview the other nine, you would say, hey, are you thankful that you're healed of your leprosy? They would go, well, yeah, of course I'm thankful. I think that being thankful is, is kind of this, this passive thing. I'm thankful for the thing I received, but giving thanks is an action. This takes thought. It takes devotion. It's deliberate. I want to actually thank you. Listen to what he says. Give thanks in all of your circumstances. I want to give thanks because you are God and your love endures forever. And that's true even in the midst in all of my circumstances. Give thanks. Let's not be like those nine lepers who I'm thankful. So how can we give thanks in all circumstances? Because I think if we think of 2020 and everything that's happened this year, there's probably a lot of things we'd go, yeah, I'm not thankful for that. It's not, what, it's not what's happening here. It's saying give thanks in all circumstances. I'm not thankful for sin. I'm not thankful for death and sin, but I can give thanks in the midst of that. I can give thanks to my God. We can give thanks in all the circumstances, again, because of Jesus, because of what we know he's already done and accomplished on our behalf and for us as the church, as his bride, that we can love him even when we're unlovely, that we can give thanks to him when we don't deserve that thanks or when we don't feel like it. We feel horrible, terrible within our fallen world right now. There's an old proverb that says, if we face the sun, the shadows are behind us. But if we face away from the sun, the shadows are before us. You know, it's kind of cheesy. And yet at the same time, in the proverb, it's S-U-N, sun. We understand that. But I think it's true here of, of Jesus, the sun. That if we just turn our eyes on Jesus, that's when in the midst of those circumstances, that we can be thankful. I don't, I, don't, I don't do this. I don't know if I've ever done this. I've been, you know, you know, lower town for three plus years, and a pastor longer than that. But I want to just stop right here. I want to take, I want to take one, one minute, just one minute. I want you to pray. I want you to think. Maybe you're kick, checking out Christianity, whatever, but, but I want you to be able to think about circumstances in your life that you would say, these are really difficult and I want to give thanks to God because he's good, because his love endures forever. And so I just want you to pray. It's not, it's not a moment of silence. I just want you to reflect. What are two or three things right now, difficult situations, but in spite of that difficulty, can I lift my eyes towards the son of God? So your love endures forever. So I just want you to take a minute, think of those two things, three things. I'm not going to turn to your neighbor and confess, but say, hey, what are you going through? I just want you to think about it. And in the midst of those difficult circumstances, be able to look at Christ and say, thanks. I want to give you praise and thanks and honor. Just take a minute and do that.
Heavenly Father, I want, I want us to be a church that is rejoicing, that even in the midst of, of this year, a year that we will look back on and, and laugh and cry about at the same time, of just the circumstances that have been brought in to a very privileged nation, uh, that things have happened that we've just never had to worry or think about before. And so God, in the midst of all that, to be able to lift our eyes to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who took on flesh as we're about to just celebrate here in a couple of weeks, the incarnation of the Savior taking on flesh as a baby, that we can look to you and we give you thanks. That as I pray almost too often, that we would gladly reflect back to you the glory do your name, even in the midst of pain and suffering. I'm reminded of even just the Apostle Paul and who's writing this, who's, who's commanding the church to, to be a happy church, to be a prayerful, prayerful church, and to be a church that gives you thanks in all of the circumstances, that he was the one who you called and said, I must show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. He's the one writing these things. So God, would you help us to be that kind of church? One that loves each other, that enjoys being in each other's company, that longs for that, that misses that. And yet in the midst of that, know that uh, you are good, you're sovereign, you're in control. And that even in the midst of these circumstances, regardless of what it was that we thought about, you have still commanded us to rejoice, to pray, and to give thanks. So God, I hope that we can do that together collectively as a body. We pray these things in your name. Amen. The last little pearl of advice is do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. This was always a fun verse for me. Those of you who know my, my story, my background, just coming from really intense legalism uh, and law, and you got you to do these things and, and don't do those things. This was a big verse they used, verse 22. Now we read it, it says, abstain from every form of evil. Uh, but the good old King, King Jimmy uh, says, um, avoid all appearances of evil. <laughs> but you can see how that would maybe change a little bit, right? This, this verse right here is why as a child, as a young man, as a college student, <laughs> I wasn't allowed to go to a movie theater. Right here, verse 22, imagine that. Why? Because I might be going to see Finding Nemo, but man, who knows whether bad movies are being played in there. It might appear that you're doing evil, so don't do it. I mean, that was for, this was like the blanket verse for anything. Anything. Oh, you're going to go to a store? Mm, you know it's attached to a liquor store, right? Yeah, don't do that. I mean, this was everything, right? So that's not, that's not what this verse says, okay? Do not quench the spirit. How can we quench the spirit? I think we can quench the spirit. I think when we, to me, the first thing I think of is somebody who's just loving Jesus, who's just praising God and just talking about what God's doing in their life. And it's like, okay, you're being kind of weird right now. Don't put that out. Don't put that fire out. Don't, don't quench what the spirit is doing in that individual's life. Love them, care for them. And let's, let's fan that flame into something else. Let's, let's be contagious with it. Let's not douse that. Let's not quench the spirit with our own sin. Let's not give an opportunity for the flesh. Let's, let's allow the spirit to grow and move inside of it. And it says at the same time, do not despise prophecies. 
Right, if somebody's got a word and they want to say something, and then there's a whole, there's a whole other conversation we can have on what, is, what, what do prophecies mean and what does the apostle mean by prophecies. We can talk about that in a different day, in a different time. But prophecy is just a gift of the Spirit of somebody saying, hey man, I, I want to talk to you. I want to encourage you in Scripture. I want to teach this passage. I want to talk about this thing. Let's not despise that. But then it says, but test everything. It's not just that anybody can just come and say anything they want willy-nilly. No, let's, let's, let's talk through this. Let's, let's look and examine the scripture that we've given us, the, the rule that God has given us in his canon and his scriptures. And we test it against that, and we hold fast then to what is good. I always think of the, you know, the, the sailors. They're holding on to the ropes and it says, hold fast. You know I'm talking about? I feel like every, every pirate movie, there's a, some guy that says, hold fast with the tattoos across the knucks. Hold fast, and then abstain from every form of evil. These, these are commands the Apostle Paul is giving us into the church. We are to love what is good, hold fast to what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. That is the idea. And as we look at this, and again, I'm honing in specifically, and I think that was obvious on verse, verse 18 of giving thanks in all of our circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So is it just in, in gospel application, I just want to ask that question for everybody. Oops. <laughs> Are we giving thanks in all of our circumstances? Are we giving thanks in all of our circumstances? Do we give thanks in all of our circumstances? I know I don't. In the midst of things, last thing I want to do. Now, I might, I might say, God, I, I need your help. But usually it's not, God, I, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what I'm able to learn in the midst of this. I'm not too quick to do that. And so this was a passage I needed for myself really bad this week. And I'm very thankful for it because I need that. And so we now have the opportunity within our communion to give thanks, to remember what it is that God did for us and sending his son for us to shed his blood, to, for his body to be broken for our sins, that we get to look at the son and viscerally taste and remember and give thanks. In the midst of everything, give thanks. That he was willing to suffer. He was willing to shed his blood. He was willing to be broken. He was willing to, to take on the wrath of God so that we don't have to. Guess what? It doesn't matter what our circumstances are. We can give thanks for that. And so we're going to have an opportunity to do that this morning as we take these elements of communion. And I just want to remind you that if you're watching online, uh, feel free to grab some kind of element, uh, some kind of juice or, or, or water or cracker and cookie or whatever it may be. And just remember these things with us as we're going to sing some songs. And, and as the songs are being played, just take these elements on your own time. All we would ask is that you're a follower of Jesus. That you would be able to say, yes, I want to be thankful. And I want to give thanks in this moment for what Christ has done for me. And so we can take these elements together. So let me close in prayer and I'll ask the worship team to come up and we'll sing. Father, thank you. Thank you that in the midst of suffering, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of sin and death and hatred, that we honestly can lift up our head to heaven and say, God, you are good. 
We are to give thanks in our circumstances. And, and God, we've been in the middle of a lot of them this year. So I don't want to downplay, I don't want to minimize those circumstances. And yet that's not the end all. The end all is Christ. The end all is you and your spirit moving in us. And so would you help us to love one another, to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing and to give thanks in all circumstances. And so we do this now in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.